But then again, I also never got the impression that the king of town is actually like wealthy in any way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure how we can afford. Just sort of just thinks they're a king. Well, I don't know. He's only the king of town. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Town. He's legitimate. He just doesn't have a large domain. How many people live there? Yeah. We are your friends at Fangamer, and this is the podcast where you get to hang out with weirdos who work at a video game merchandising company. I'm your host, Charlie, and I'm joined today by Heaven and Steve. Say hello. Hello. Hi there. This is both of your first time on the podcast, so it's yes. going to be all the introductory questions. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, so, Steve, you were hired first. Yes. Uh, so let's start with you. Who are you, and what do you do here at Fangamer? Oh, dear. Uh, my name is Steve Campos. I was, uh, I guess, the first employee? Yeah, you, you are definitely chronologically first after Reed. Yeah, uh, like, boy, I think I started part-time at Fangamer at, like, 2008, I think. And then I was hired full-time in, like, 2009. Uh, and I've been here ever since. I do things like, boy, back in the day, I did a lot of stuff like packing products, shipping products, customer service, video editing... I do the same things now, just there's a lot more people to help. So pretty much you were doing like almost the entirety of the operations of the the mailroom. Basically, yeah. Uh, while everybody else did all the rest of the stuff. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff when we first figured out like how to do things in the first place, like a lot of it was just Reed and I trying to figure out, all right, how do we put them in here? Let's put it in a bag. Let's put it in this. Let's do this. Let's do it this way. Let's, let's answer emails like this and just trying to figure that kind of stuff out. And it all kind of evolved from that. I mean, now I mostly do customer service, work in the mailroom, sometimes work in videos. What was your first comp- contribution to Fangamer, would you say? Mm, I named the company. That's a pretty good first uh, first contribution. Yeah. It feels like there, could, there, there can't be a whole lot more contributions that happened before that. Yeah, it was, uh, we, well, Fangamer was originally not going to be a merchandise company. It was going to be a, uh, like a fan site hub mm-hmm. where um, basically we could make more Starman.nets, but with other game companies. And uh, so we like Ryan custom programmed a, f- uh, a whole forum software package to do all this kind of stuff in. And um, yeah, you don't need to go into too, too many details. We just had read on last week. So. Oh, okay. So you're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, Heaven, same question. Uh, introduce yourself to our audience. Who are you and what do you do here? Well, I'm Heaven Chai, and uh, like most people at Fangamer, I'm kind of a generalist. I kind of do a lot of stuff, but uh, usually my work is done in the realm of what we would call production, I guess. So I'm folding shirts, I'm putting shirts in bags, I am attaching the custom zipper pulls to the hoodies. Usually when it's a little busier, I get pulled in for fetching. So I uh, bring all the products to the shipping table. I think you've discussed this before. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll, because I do fetching like only sometimes, I'll like come back 
a couple months later and everything's different. I have to figure out where everything is. <laughs> Fetching is a lot slower whenever you haven't done it for a while. Not because it's like, like you know how to do it. Like the motions are mostly the same, the same, but you don't know where anything is. Yeah. So, and especially whenever you have like a product that only has like one or two bins, it's just like, all right, they just stop and start like looking for the color first and yeah. narrow it down from there. But then you get into a groove, and then it's, like, back to normal. So, uh, Heaven, has anybody ever told you that you look like Michael Sheen? Uh, no, I usually get Weird Al. Really? Yeah. See, I don't see Weird I mean, I guess the, the hair, I can see Weird Al. <laughs> I mean, t- weird Al's hair hasn't been like that for a while. Oh. That's, like, that's like the, uh, what is it, oh, Bad Hair Day kind of what are, what are the albums back then? Uh, Running With Scissors. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say I'd say your 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 Michael Sheen is more in your face. I would oh, say, okay. yeah, more more distinctly like not not so changeable. Mm. Uh, which which I, I I I'm hoping is a compliment because people really like Michael Sheen. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it's like whatever. I, I look like, like a celebrity. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Heaven, uh, have you worked on any particular projects that people might be familiar with? Uh, yeah. I, well, I've. Basically, I've touched a lot of the shirts with my hands, so <laughs> it's possible if you bought a shirt from Fangamer, I also touched it at one point. Just covered in DNA evidence. Yeah, but also uh, another thing I'm really proud of is I was uh, a beta tester on the console versions of Undertale and Deltarune. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And what, what's that process like? It was really weird. <laughs> like, it was so oddly hands-off. Like, we just, you know, bought the dev kits, or the test kits, I guess they're called. And then it was just like, you know, play through the game. Tell us if there's anything weird. And, and I did. I played through both of those games a bunch of times. I still love them. Yeah, it's a lot easier to... to do that sort of thing with a game that has a bunch of replayability yeah or, or something that you just really care about oh yeah so so how much did you find wrong uh i mean there wasn't too much wrong with it i mean because it they had already been like thoroughly tested on pc i was just testing the ports mm-hmm. so i only found like a few issues and i think all of them got resolved <laughs> there was a lot of stuff in those games that's just like Oh, it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> Working as intended. Yeah. Oh, my game crashed. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, there were things I would point out, and it, I'd look into it and be like, oh, it's the same in the PC version. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> I've definitely got emails from people like, oh, I've killed everyone. How do I fix this? And it's like, yeah. you can't. <laughs> yeah, you've ruined it, buddy. You restart. That's actually, you're, you're still actually able to fix it if you just restart at that point. I think you have to like uninstall it and like take files out of your computer because it remembers. Uh, well, no, it'll remember that you've that you've killed people regardless. Uh, but if you don't complete the genocide run, uh, uh, stop short. Or the no mercy run. I don't remember what's what's the preferred. We're anyway. supposed to call it the no mercy. No run. mercy. Okay. Uh, if you don't complete the no mercy run, like very much completely, then you can theoretically go back. But if you go over that line, if you cross that line, it's done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're done. So, Heaven, what were you doing before uh, before Fangamer? Well, I was 
Uh, you want me to go into the whole story? I could, yeah, I, I mean, could, why like how much? How much do you think is interesting to the? Uh... Let's start with okay. So I was a member of Starman.net when I was in high school. We can start from there. Sure. That was around like uh, when the Mother Three translation project was going on. I had played. Earthbound on an original Xbox, the way it was intended. Wow. <laughs> and I wanted to know what else is there. And I found, because of my curiosity, Starman.net and the Mother 3 translation projects. And from there, that was uh, right at like the beginning of Fangamer. So I've been a Fangamer super fan from the beginning. I ordered my Mother 3 handbook when it came out. And uh, I always just wanted to be part of this community, so I like followed all the streams and kept up to date with everything. Mm -hmm. I eventually went to college and then dropped out and moved back in with my parents. And I was like, I was an electrician's assistant for a little bit. I was I worked at Radio Shack for a little bit, but I didn't like any of that. But I had this community I was part of online. I wanted to pursue that further, so I eventually went to one of the Starman.net conventions in Wisconsin. I forget which one that was. It's probably like 2013. Washington. Oh, not Washington. Yeah. Why did I say that? Wisconsin. 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 Yeah. It's not a very good portmanteau because it's just kind of like one of those cities that's entirely encased by another city. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I went to Wisconsin in Wisconsin. And uh, from there, I got to know a lot of the Fangamer employees a little better. And then I went back and, you know, kept working at Radio Shack and I hated it. Oh, yeah, that was a con with all the dead animals and the, uh, all the taxidermy animals inside of the, that yeah. one house that we weren't allowed to touch. Yeah, it was a real, that was a real experience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so after that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I, so I submitted my resume to Fangamer just as like a desperate Hail Mary attempt. And then eventually, it just so happened that a bunch of Fangamer people were going to Japan in 2014, and so they needed outside help to come in and keep everything running while everything was away. So in 2014, while I still was working for Radio Shack, I was vouched for by Heidi, thank you, Poe, and me and other fangamer friend aquas swooped in to tucson and worked for a couple weeks just as a temporary thing and then uh because of that i was like yes this is the place for me i need to do whatever i can to get back here and keep working for fangamer so i went back home worked for radio shack for the rest of the summer because that's the busy season in Nantucket. And then I got my wisdom teeth removed and two weeks later <laughs> moved to Tucson. <laughs> and I've been here ever since. That's my story. What about you, Steve? What is your history uh, before Fangamer? Oh, boy. Well, uh, 
Kind of similar. In, uh, Less Nantucket, I would say. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I've, I'm one of the few people who have just lived in Tucson my entire life. In uh, 1999, actually, I uh, found, like, you are now Earthbound, Earthbound.net, which then became Starman.net, and I was part of that pretty quickly afterwards. I think it was, like, February of 99. So, yeah, I've just been part of Starman.net. I was, like, a staffer doing, like, a hard trivia thing sometimes. Um, and uh, when, when are you going to update hard trivia? Oh, it's... <laughs> Never gonna get this monkey off my back. Um, yeah, like uh, I remember the the first convention that we had, and uh, actually before the first convention, when um, uh, Reed, Camille, and I met up with Reed, uh, we also met Clyde or Tomato back in the day. We just had a fun time and just had another convention, and then more people joined and kind of turned into a big thing. But uh, boy, I've been I've been in the community for like over twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So yeah, just starting on that. Uh, been to like ten conventions there and. Chatting on the staff forums and staff IRC channel, and then Reed, Reed and Ryan were putting together or a business, and Reed needed an employee and name for the company. So I was just there to pack, ship things. I uh, I worked at um, Best Buy and Office Max before working here, so I uh, brought some customer service experience and a lot of the things I've learned working at those jobs. There are some things not to do. Um, <laughs> Like, don't be jerks to the customers. Especially valuable uh, experience as far as, uh, like, any sort of actual, like, uh, in-person retail experience is valuable and translates well into convention sales, especially. Mm-hmm. There are a lot, there's a lot more theories that'll, like, transfer over into online sales. But it's, uh, you know, it's nice to kind of bring a lot of that sales experience to bear, it's like, oh yeah, I remember how this works. To yeah, talk to people and so, try to sell them things. It's always good to try to put your put your head in what, how 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 are they going to interpret what you tell them? And uh, if the the goal is to try to solve a problem and make them make them walk away happy or satisfied, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. I, I certainly at Best Buy, there was plenty plenty of instances where um, there'd just be like literal yelling matches between customers and management, which I want to avoid as much as I can. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, just. For a while, it was just uh, it was just Reed and me, and then Ryan moved down here. Then uh, eventually, Jazzy and Charles moved down here, and we just kept getting more employees, and we were just figuring out how do we run this crazy company we got? How do we do all this stuff? And just over time, still not really sure. Yeah, we're still figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I don't know how to condense 20, 20 years down into. Oh, it. don't worry about it. So, uh, so, so let's 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 uh, let's condense it this way. Uh, what have you worked on that people might be familiar with? Oh boy, uh, I'm trying to think of this somewhat chronologically. Um, uh, worked in the Mother Three Handbook. There was the oh boy, the Bloodstain Kickstarter. A lot of the Bloodstain Kickstarter, a lot of the figuring out like how that was going to go was like uh, me, Reed, Lindsay, Dan, a lot of other people like helping out with that too. That and uh, like Ryan figuring out a bunch of back end stuff. So yeah, big part of getting that figured out. Um, a lot of the videos we did back in the past definitely worked on a bunch of that. Worked with Jazzy on a bunch of them. Um, mm, more recently, I helped Stephen George have the Stephen vlog keychain. Yeah, shoutouts to Stephen George, by the way. I always watch his videos when I'm folding shirts and stuff. <laughs> so, Steve, what are you, what are you working on right now? Right now, um, working on revamping some of our uh, some of how our customer service works with trying to get a um, kind of a, a software thing that will help do some of the heavy lifting with like 
Customers wanting to process exchanges, wanting to do returns, get like damage items. It'd be nice if they were able to enter some like a form information that would give us all the information. Because oftentimes when people email us, they we still need to get like, okay, what's your order number? What's your shipping address? What exactly happened with all this stuff? Something like that. Uh, currently working with Jazzy, uh, Sarah, and Everdred on the Black Friday commercial coming up that we're working on. Uh, also the uh, EBUSA doc. That's what I'm currently working on. That, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot to have on one on plate oh, all at once. Oh, oh, sorry. No, that, that's a lot to have all at one all, all on one's plate. So that sounds like plenty. You don't need any more. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, you're you're not doing anything wrong. I'm saying stop. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> don't put anything more on all there. All right. Well, there's also like you know, the database. Your eyes aren't. I know your eyes are big, but your stomach isn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's also just the day to day stuff like you know answering customer service emails and then with the mailroom needs help shipping packages and lots of stuff like that. So for sure. Just, Keeping things going. What have you been working on, uh, Heaven? Well, I'm still folding shirts. Not a lot about that changes that much, though we are, I guess, redesigning our shirt bags. I don't know if that's like a secret or anything, but... I mean, yeah, it's just like a, that's like a procedural thing. I, can, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a yeah. huge spoiler for people to start seeing like, oh, look at these, look at these shirt bags. <laughs> I learned about these on the podcast first, so yeah. I'm not surprised. Well, grand reveal. <laughs> I know, like, a lot of people will save our labels like the size labels on the shirts because they're really cool Mm -hmm. Uh, i apologize that those have been harder to save because we've switched to a different kind of label and they stick too well to the plastic one time use Yeah. yeah though my hot tip if anybody wants to easily and safely remove shirt labels use a hair dryer or heat gun Get it a little warmer, then and that makes it easier to peel. Mm, pro stress. That's, <laughs> that's only to the uh, the dedicated. <laughs> I've definitely yeah. seen people with like like our, our our shirt size stickers just like on their laptops. And oh stuff. yeah. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, that was, that was me in Nantucket. I had all these shirt label stickers on everything. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's a, that's, that, I'm sure that that warms the hearts of the folks who actually like uh, have to design these. Things. Yeah, I feel bad for the customer who did that during the color cube era. Oh yeah, we yeah we've gone through a bunch of changes. We had, <laughs> the, we had a printer called the color cube that um, it used like a different kind of ink. It wasn't really ink. It was it, it was like crayon consistency. Yeah, it was something like that, and uh, it it came off pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. The, that era is thankfully over. <laughs> the, all, all the the, the minutiae of like how much we have uh, loved or hated some of our printers is uh, that that's yeah. a whole other thing that we're probably never going to cover on this podcast because it's not actually that interesting <laughs> to anybody except us. Yeah, well, you don't know. <laughs> well, it's true. I'm sure there are some printer nerds out there who are like, oh yeah, yeah I know what they mean that color cube. And nah, yeah. nah, that was a mistake. You should ask me. <laughs> Uh, Heaven, what would you like to work? What would you, what, like? What would you like to work on? What's, what's like your dream project? Well, I I would be satisfied just doing what I'm doing for the rest of my life. But uh, in addition to that, I would also like to get into translation a bit. Like I've been studying the Japanese language for quite a while now, on and off. Never really taking a formal class or anything, but. 
you know, that's one of my interests. I did actually manage to, I was assigned to some internal translation on a project that I can't talk about, mm-hmm. but uh, I translated a bunch of file names and that was a cool experience. It was just like <laughs> a two day thing where they were like, translate all these file names for us. We don't know what these yeah. symbols mean. We need at least, we, we need something to go on, please. Yeah, and everyone that was more experienced was doing other things, apparently. So <laughs> it was just like, you can do this, right? And I did do it. Yeah. Actually, when I uh, helped Tony design the Bloodstained art book, um, we got all the files from uh, Artplay. They, and I think they were in Japanese text, so we needed people to translate that. Did you help on that, too? That was what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, okay. Oops. Spoilers. It's a book that's, that's for the Kickstarter. Yeah, I guess if it's announced, we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's coming out. It's, fine, yeah. I wasn't well, sure exactly yeah. what you were talking about, you, so I couldn't give clear or not. Well, you're, you're not going to see any of my words in there anyway. Like I said, it's an internal. So. I mean, it was mostly for my benefit, because so I could tell, like, okay, what is this? Oh, that's what it says. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I can say that the, you, you talked about how, like, the first time you came out here as well, we were all in Japan. Well, uh, at a later time, you were actually able to come with us on a big group trip to Japan. Yeah. And you were one of the few people who was actually able to walk around and, like, at least sort of communicate with the uh, with the locals uh, and didn't need to, like, didn't need to constantly try to translate things on the signs using your phone or something. Yeah, like you did, or... Right? Or, <laughs> Lindsay, what does this mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, heaven. I remember when, right after we uh, we got out of our um, meeting with Etoy and just seeing your face, it was like pure euphoria. Oh, like, yeah. I have reached the top. That, that moment was the happiest I've ever been. <laughs> I'm glad I got to witness it. It was, it was certainly something special. Yeah. But yeah, I did. I was able to. I had a day where I went off on my own and did my own thing, and fumbled through interactions with several people. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like I, I imagine that if you're like if you clearly a gaijin, yeah, <laughs> like go over there and are at least like attempting to speak in their own language i think they're i get the impression that usually they're like oh okay and they, they're, yeah. they're really they're really eager to help you try and uh, figure out what you're trying to do yeah the, the response was generally look at this person making effort this yeah. is new <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh steve uh what's what's your dream project oh boy uh oh. you know it's kind of hard to say because i mean a lot of my aspirations for uh, what what I could do, I've already kind of I've already kind of done. Like uh, you're kind of in between dreams right now. Yeah, it's like uh, well, it's like uh, it's like oh man, this is such a cool community. It's Sarma.net. Wouldn't it be cool if I could meet some of these people? And then I did. And then it's like oh wow. And then this is creative of Earthbound. What if I could meet the person who made it? And I did. And it's like oh well, we got all these friends and stuff. What if we all what if we all work together and like had a company and all, and stuff and all like work out of the same office and we all live together next to each other and we did so now it's just kind of like it's like it's like going it's like you're in heaven and then what do you do there trying to entertain yourself um so i guess in like the i guess more short-term goals um it would be um i'd like to work on more video projects and i'm kind of already am but i'd like that to be a bigger focus i like being part of the like planning it figuring out like whatever how we're going to do things and when it comes time to like editing it together like i usually do a lot of post-production work I just like to do that more because I generally enjoy like getting to make things and then show it off to people. So I just 
that's what I really want to do more often. But um, I don't know. Like, I'm um, feeling pretty good about my life. Fair enough. Fair enough. And now for the Metatony question. It was submitted by our friend Metatony a while back, and I'll keep asking it because it's a good question. What keeps you motivated? Well, uh, if you want an honest answer, this is... No, just lie to me. Lie to my face. Just... (laughs) Oh, those lies. Charles, I come into work every day so I can see your beautiful face. Oh, there it is. Oh, gosh. Just all over. (laughs) Um, I mean, from like the early days of Fangamer when we were just trying to make it work um and there'd be times where we would go through like well uh we might need to sell the box truck to make the rent for the building this month um and just just scraping by bootstrapping all of our way there i mean we're in a much more comfortable place now but like a lot of that feeling is still kind of there for me so i guess mm, sort of fear that it'll all fall apart if we let it mm-hmm <laughs> I am. I, I guess that's kind of what's in the back of my mind, knowing that I'm holding too many limes and I want. I don't want to drop them. <laughs> so yeah, fear. Fear is a common motivator. I found among people. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say this in like a bad way. Like I'm not. No, I'm, no, no. You know, I think I think that fear has a bad, uh, bad reputation. Mm-hmm. I think fear is a perfectly legitimate motivator. Mm-hmm. It, it helps people to to protect the things that they love, to protect the people they love, to keep themselves safe. That's all perfectly legitimate. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to knock it. All right. Thank you for validating my motivation, Charles. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. What about you, Heaven? Well. This is really hard for me because I struggle with motivation a lot. I think I find I'm most motivated when I don't think about things and just kind of go through the motions. (laughs) Because, like, it's so easy to get caught up in, like, uh, you know, everything that's keeping you from being motivated. But if you just, like do things without thinking, <laughs> then <laughs> none of that applies. <laughs> kind of hard to say, but, uh, you know, what else are you going to do? Mm. So, so whenever you say, like, without thinking, is it more like uh, you look at what's happening in the world and it's just like, oh, I, I can't, this is, this is a problem. I, I, I don't know if this world's worth saving. Or, my, or is it more of like you start thinking about like yourself or, or things around you uh, or more immediate? Uh, yeah. Thinking? I mean, it all factors in, I guess. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Like everyone else, I guess, the, the people around me are pretty good at, you know, keeping me on track as much of a track I have. But yeah. I heard a while back, I don't know where from, that, like, uh, it's good to have a few lazy people around because they'll figure out, like, easier way to do things. <laughs> and I think I, I'd i like to think uh, optimistically that I kind of fill that role at this company. Yeah, they say necessity is the mother of invention, but I would say that laziness is the mother of efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally... Are you playing any games right now? Yeah, I've been recently playing Shadowrun Returns, uh, Shadowrun Dragonfall. What was that second one? Shadowrun Dragonfall. Okay, so more more Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going through the Shadowruns all of a sudden right now. Right, so, so wait, so are these like the uh, are these like PC games? Or? Yeah, it's a PC game. It was a Kickstarter from like I think it was like 2013 ish. Yeah, they're making like uh, sort of isometric 
similar to the original Fallout games, mm, kind of mm, like that. Yeah. I just really like the cyberpunk setting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've never played a Shadowrun. Actually, I think I briefly played like a Shadowrun game for like the Super Nintendo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's which act- is pretty much that. Yes, well, actually, Shadowrun Returns is basically the sequel to that game. Oh, I see. I see. So, like so some nice. of the characters are the same too. Wow. Yeah, like I think the Shadowrun uh, setting is very interesting. I, uh, I think I've played a lot more. I spent a lot more time playing like the actual like tabletop RPG. That's what I really like to get into sometime. I mean, I I'm not sure if I'm if I'm up for like trying to be a DM for that, but I'd I'd really love to play a cyberpunk setting. And like Shadowrun's neat because it combines like technological cyberpunk stuff with also magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have like the dichotomy of you have these like people living these really miserable lives uh just trying to scrape by and, and stuff and then you have the people who are like working at a working at a job and like get, get a salary but they're kind of also living miserable lives stuck in their corporate I mean, hacks. yeah you got you got these corporations that are just kind of running everything mm-hmm. that just like the fallout of this this huge change in the world and it's still like it's still earth i think the the primary shadow run location is seattle mm-hmm. but uh this is kind of looking around at like like what in the world has changed and like how the countries have realigned themselves. Yeah. Uh, which really like countries are considerably less of a thing because everything's just run by the corporations anyway. Yeah. Like I think uh, Shadowrun Returns takes place in Seattle. Shadowrun Dragonfall takes place in, um, in Germany. Mm. It's like, it's the free state of Germany where it's just kind of a structured anarchy. Huh. That sounds interesting. I've, I've, I've actually seen very little of the Shadowrun universe outside of Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except I, I do know, because I'm from Louisiana, that, that New Orleans has become sort of a tree city. Hmm. Which is uh, fascinating to me. I'm not sure exactly how that works in the cyber t- cyberpunk setting, but I'm interested to find out. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be the one to DM that, that setting either, because I have just... I, I do not have a mind for, for modern day or futuristic, like setting storylines and stuff like that i've tried mm. yeah <laughs> we were both there when you tried yeah <laughs> it was a lot of fun i, I think you did a good job great. yeah yeah i mean it wasn't like it wasn't not fun okay <laughs> well see the problem for me isn't like being able to make like a few sessions the problem is for me to make a, like because because what you guys see is what i came up with after beating my head against the wall mm. uh but for me it's like all right what happens next what happens next and that's like that's just really just s- trying to squeeze water from a rock it's just not happening uh which which is why that one also fell apart mm, i see yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean if- as far as games, yeah. Also, Dungeons and Dragons. Playing a lot of that. I was Fair, yeah. I was in your campaign for for years, uh-huh. uh, which just which just wrapped up. Yep. We're gonna play some more, right? Yeah, I mean, we got that epilogue. I'm gonna have to work on at some point. Looking Cause, forward cause to it. The, the, the ending was very sad. Oh, it, yeah, it was. It was kind of a bittersweet, mostly bitter kind of. Well, we we did it. You, you win. win. Yay. Honestly, that ending made me uh, maybe like. God, boy, it got me kind of existentially thinking about stuff like thinking back, like the choices that I made, the things that I'm I'm glad I did, the things that I kind of regret, and just after doing it, and then it's just over. And I'm like, is that what life's like? <laughs> can... that's, yeah, that's what happens after you die. After you die, you get to look back and be like, <laughs> oh man, I made some weird character uh, choices. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really think about that build very much. <laughs> uh, so, what about you, Evan? What have you been playing? Well, uh, I have, I played through Link's Awakening, which you've already talked about thoroughly, <laughs> and uh, I'm still playing Final Fantasy XIV, which uh, Cedric discussed, I believe, a little bit. 
So, in order to not retread the same ground, uh, I can tell you about Tetris 99, right. which is a game that I've been playing basically on and off since its release. Uh, they, re- they recently released a, an update for it that added a bunch of new content, including what is called Invictus Mode, which is basically the expert mode of the game. In order to play that, you have to have won regular Tetris 99 uh, against 99 or 98 other people at <laughs> least once. And it's uh, a little bit faster and... Not so first a... of all, you have. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. My second game in Tetris 99 was a win. Okay. Dang. <laughs> well, this is, it's, it's worth pointing out that you are a... Uh, I mean, I don't know how... Uh, uh, generally, te- Tetris, uh, yeah. you are clearly you're, you're good, but you are a, a Puyo Puyo Tetris champion. Yeah, I am a competitive puzzle gamer. I'm an award-winning e-athlete. Two-time uh, gold medalist. Three. Three times? Yeah. Holy crap, have a try? <laughs> yeah, go to all the PAXs and play Puyo Puyo and Tetris, and both at the same time against people. And <laughs> That's your Tetris. I got your Puyo Puyo. I got yeah. your combination Puyo Anyway. Yeah, Invictus is really great because it's kind of like separated the game into two kind of tiers. Like, a lot of the more experienced players will only play Invictus now, so that makes Invictus, like, way harder. And also, it makes regular mode a little bit easier. So if you haven't played it in a while and you want to get a win, now's your chance, maybe. (laughs) Oh, man, I never thought of the concept of, like, people making Tetris Smurf accounts where they're like, the Invictus players go back around to beat all the noobs. I mean, there's nothing stopping me from doing that. (laughs) Like, it, they give you daily missions now, which you can uh, clear in order to unlock, like, more themes and stuff. And a lot of them are just, like, do this thing in, in Tetris 99, and you can either do that in Invictus or Normal. So you might, like, just to get it done, play it in Normal mode. <laughs> so I actually am curious a little bit about, because I didn't ask Cedric too much about Final Fantasy XIV. So just to touch on that briefly, like, all right, where's the story at now? What's going on? Yeah, so the most recent expansion, this is the third expansion to the reboot, <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn, which everyone loves, as opposed <laughs> to the original version, which everyone hates. Wait, wait, so like the cliff notes, what's the difference between the original release and the new one? What did they fix that everybody likes so much comparatively? I didn't play the original version, so oh, I, I kind of have a lot of this secondhand, but uh, I think most of it was they put too much focus on it being like more similar to a regular Final Fantasy game as opposed to like giving you that streamlined MMO experience. Mm-hmm. Which was like the opposite of what people had concerns about with like Final Fantasy twelve. Yeah. Which felt much, which had much more of that streamlined MMO ish experience that people were like, I, I wanted to play Final Fantasy. What is it? What is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is the third expansion, Shadowbringers. After spending so long crafting this intricate, heavily lore based world, like living and breathing, so many people that you can interact with, both players and NPCs, they're like, all these cities, these thriving landscapes. 
they took all that and were like, screw it. We're making a whole new parallel world you can go to where everything is different. <laughs> we're building it from the ground up. And uh, you go to this new world and like, it's this like dreamlike experience where it's like, Stuff is just, like, kind of similar, but, like, the names for everything is different. It's Shelbyville with Final Fantasy. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I finished the main story, and they, they, like, you know, drip feed story bits through updates, so... Gotta keep up. <laughs> so with this new world that was that was introduced, is this like in a sense like the third world? Like like the first one was had to be reborn because nobody liked it. But is it like is <laughs> it to the new world what the new world is to or sorry, yeah, is it to the new world what the new world is to the original world? Uh I it's more of like a expansion on some of the concepts of the realm reborn world. Mm, okay, okay. Like, uh, <laughs> I just really like the idea of these multiple dimensions, and some of them didn't make the cut. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes more than one of them make the cut, and then you have to somehow combine them. No, the original Final Fantasy world, the in-game uh, reason why that doesn't exist anymore is because a giant meteor crashed into it and destroyed everything. Mm-hmm, okay. Basically, <laughs> the, the, the heroes lost. Yeah. And so, <laughs> in A Realm Reborn, you're kind of like being reborn from the ashes kind mm. of like it's built on top of sort of the uh some of the existing remnants okay all right uh, anyway so introductions over so now when steven uh heaven join in on the podcast in the future uh if you the listener find yourself asking who are these people why should i care uh you can come back to this episode and remind yourself uh, but for now, let's move on and actually get this show started. The real reason you're listening to this podcast, the part where we all talk about Fangamer and what's going on with the company, because we haven't talked about Fangamer yet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so here's a fun story from the new office front. So recently the construction crew cut holes in the, in the walls of the building, which will be turned into windows. Which is great, since the more natural light we can get in the building, the better. However, that meant we had some big gaping holes in the building, which isn't super unusual since the building was basically open into the air for a while, but it's been relatively closed off recently. However, apparently these holes proved too tempting for some thieves, who climbed in through the windows to get in and steal like some small tools and a shop vac before running off. These windows are kind of high up, so they actually had to pile a bunch of trash under the windows to reach them. That's not the story. After this incident, the construction crew boarded up the window holes, but our construction manager was still concerned about break-ins, so she hired a security guard to patrol the place at night. Sure enough, the guard was there one night when he saw someone approaching the building wearing a construction vest. The guard approached this person like, Hey, who are you? What are you doing here? The person seemed surprised to see the guard there, and they said, Uh, I'm with... The night crew? <laughs> uh, the guard then chased this person off, which is a pro-security guard move, but a risky one, since guards have no authority to, like, apprehend or arrest somebody. You really have to trust that when you chase after somebody, they'll actually run away. Well, don't tell them that. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, I mean, secrets of the business, being a security guard is like 5% social engineering, 95% boredom. Uh, <laughs> I remember times at Best Buy when the loss prevention people would basically try to arrest thieves. They're not supposed to do that either. Yeah. I mean, we told this story on the, the Tucson News a bunch of episodes ago about how they someone was like stealing something from a Walmart and the security guards like watched uh, this person do this. And so they just kind of stood at the doors waiting for them to come by. And then the person just kind of walked past them. Good. <laughs> And the, the guy had to later explain to the police officer, like, I don't know. She just kind of walked past me. I mean, one, oh boy. Uh, one time when I was working at Office Max, the manager told me to lock the door on the thief. So I, I went and locked the door in front of them. And then they were like, well, you're just going to trap me here? And I had no idea what to say. And then they were like running all throughout the store, panicking, trying to find a way out. Eventually the cops came and like found them. In our uh, receiving area, there was a new hire. She was just like on the training computer with this crazed thief running around there. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, what part of that don't do? Because it seems like there might be a lot. <laughs> uh, many, many steps. Uh, I guess from my uh, my lesson was if, if a manager tells you to try to lock a thief inside, don't listen to him. <laughs> yes. Uh, don't lock thieves where don't trap people. Yeah, don't yeah. Trap, a cornered rat is dangerous. Mm-hmm. But also don't steal. Yeah. Uh yeah, but also sure. if you're going to steal, like get better about finding ways out. There's yeah, like don't places. be so obvious. Don't get caught. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's gotta be other exits. That's like a fire hazard. People can get arrested for the anyway. Yeah, like the, the the actually that's what he did. He tried to go out the fire door. He didn't realize you just have to press it and it's like on a, on a delayed lock for like a few seconds. He left <laughs> before it opened. You just had to stay there. <laughs> more, more things we shouldn't be telling yeah. potential thieves. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, your friends at Fan Gamer where you can learn how to steal. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I mean, we already—you already told them how to get into our gaping windows. Yeah. Well, by the time they get there, that'll be fixed. So don't worry about it. Also, there's nothing good in there. Yeah, nothing. They there. already stole the shop back. That was the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's go through the product launches this week. From Journey, we have a set of enamel pens featuring the travelers—one in a red cloak and the other in white. Uh, we have a set of products for Divinity, Original Sin 2, the Lady Vengeance hoodie designed by John Kay, and the vinyl soundtrack. So I, I love soundtracks for these sorts of games. They make excellent background music when playing D&D. Uh, I find most video game music a bit distracting when it's like super iconic and familiar since it kind of calls to mind the game that the music is from, which kind of changes the way I'm like viewing the situation a little bit. Uh, however... Subtler or otherwise, like, less familiar music that nevertheless is intended to evoke the feeling of, like, fantasy and adventure works very well to set the mood without being a distraction. Of course, if you're, like, if everybody is, like, super into Divinity Original Sin 2, getting the the soundtrack for that specific purpose might not be for the best. But if you are really into Divinity Original Sin 2, but the rest of your friends can't be bothered to play with you, then... You can use this for D. I feel like I'm like getting to a very narrow audience for this. Oh no, I, I, got, I got you. It's like it's like when Charlie's when he's DMing and he starts putting on the. It's like oh man, Charlie's putting on the Dragon Age music. Something's going down. <laughs> Pro tips from a long time uh, dungeon master. Anyway, we have some merchandise from Ume Nikki. 
Uh, did I you pronounce may, you may you may Nikki. Thank you. You may Nikki. Uh, there's the the Mato uh, Matotsuki sweater designed by Audrey Weiner and the Uboa lapel pin. Uh, or is that one Uboa? It it's kind it's Uboa, but okay. it, it's weird. Okay, don't worry about that one as much. <laughs> All right. So I mean, I got to be honest. I have no idea what I'm talking about or looking at since I'm not like familiar with. You may Nikki whatsoever. So I'm, I was hoping that at least one of you would be able to tell me what this is all about. And it sounds like heaven you're volunteered. Yes. Can you believe it, listener? We are selling official You May Nikki merchandise. I can't believe it. I also don't know what it's about. <laughs> this is one of the foundational uh, avant-garde RPG maker games that spawned a movement of avant-garde RPG maker games. Uh, it's a, a built-in RPG maker, though it has no combat. You kind of just walk around and interact with things. And uh, without this game, later games such as Undertale may not exist in the same form. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> this is a deep cut from way back. Uh, that, that does sound really cool, and I'm. Uh, it sounds like I, I should personally uh, be thankful that this game exists. Yes. Yeah, because it seems like it's led to a lot of things that I, I, I enjoy. Uh, I have a few avant-garde RPG maker games that I'm a fan of. The first one that comes to mind is To the Moon. Right. And I'm not sure how much this specific game has has, uh, has influenced it, but it is very similar in that there's no combat, It's uh, but it still manages to tell a deep and compelling story with RPG Maker. Right, yeah. You, there's definitely... It, those threads reach out. For sure. Far and wide. It, 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 so, so you're saying, Yume Nikki... Is, is the meteor that has fallen into the ocean <laughs> and caused ripples on the waves that you could catch and surf much uh, at the far uh, the far flung continents. Oh yeah, I mean, of course there there are probably other things like uh, I'm not sure when Moon Remix RPG came out, but that's probably another like uh, foundational thing. I don't know when anything specifically came out, but this is one of the big ones. Cool, cool. I am glad to be associated with it then. Yeah. Because before I had no idea. Anyway, so our big exciting launch this week for some of us is Bloodborne merchandise. We have a shirt called Hunter's Dream designed by Nina Matsumoto and the Carol Runes long sleeve shirt designed by Tony Kucher. And I know that we as a company are excited about the launch of Bloodborne merchandise. However, yet again, I must tarnish my gamer cred by admitting that I've never played Bloodborne and therefore don't really know what I'm looking at. Uh, so can one of you give me some context to those products? Yeah, Bloodborne. It's great. Uh, let's see. The plain doll is... She's... Oh, boy. She's, well, what's the plain doll? The plain doll is kind of the embodiment of, of a... Uh, oh, boy. I, oh, the plot's kind of... It's like got that Metal Gear Solid thing where there's so much stuff that's like surface level that's, a, that's like there's it seems like this but there's so many other things she's like in the hunter's dream but she was also this other person uh anyway she like talks with you a bunch and oh i'm just butchering the explanation for this <laughs> I've, I've i played through bloodborne once it's a lot of fun it's very challenging it's like dark souls but with guns but also the remnant from the ashes is like dark souls with guns but this is a different dark souls with guns uh so i guess suffice to say doll important Doll important, yes. Doll okay. is very important. Uh, there's a lot of like uh, 
eldritch horror stuff going on, a lot of weird experiments that people are doing and a lot of things gone wrong and there's like eyes on the inside kind of thing. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to, how to explain the plot of Bloodborne. I'm just, I can't quite get off the top of my tongue right now. Well, what Charlie, are- you said I wouldn't look like an idiot on this podcast. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can be excused whenever, like, I don't think anybody looks like an idiot whenever they fail to say, uh, to, to properly recount the plot of like a Metal Gear or a Kingdom Hearts. I think they look more like an idiot if they succeed. <laughs> which is not to knock either of those franchises but to say that if you recount them you do sound like a crazy person yeah my experience with bloodborne is fairly limited i only have surface level knowledge of anything so <laughs> i can't help you sorry oh what, do you know what the cow runes are about in game you uh you find them and they kind of augment your abilities a little bit like make mm. you do extra critical damage or like when you uh, like when you stun someone, you get to like do the little pretend like you're ripping their heart out kind of thing. Some just augment your stats here and there. I'm trying to remember, boy, I'm still trying to remember the plot of this game. They find like a sea slug. It's kind of similar to Bioshock in a way, where they find this sea slug and it like messes with people and they try to like make contact with other worldly beings. And uh, there's like there's like two kinds of blood that they extract from them. One just turns people into monsters, and the other one actually gives you superpowers. But the people who have the superpowers are being like. No, you guys are the you guys are the losers. We're the cool ones, and then like they call them the vile bloods, and like the the healing church has the bad stuff. Ironically, okay. now I'm sounding like a crazy person. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I told you it was gonna happen. Dang it! All right. Uh, well, anyway, that's all the new stuff I'm aware of that's coming out this week. Steve, Heaven, are there any other older products that you'd like to spotlight while we're promoting stuff? Something that you loved but doesn't get enough attention? I'd like to spotlight the Vela Wild shirt from Y2K. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Nobody is talking about Y2K anymore. Okay. <laughs> but that shirt is still really cool. And, uh, no, that's that's sounds good to me. I can reveal myself as the Y2K liker. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that shirt's cool. I'm a fan. All right. What about you, Steve? So hyped. We have so many. It's so, it's a discounted. Please buy the ball. And it's a good shirt. Yeah, it's a cool shirt. Lee Davis got a good style. Mm-hmm. Also, you can probably commission Lee Davis for artwork. She is always taking commissions. I highly recommend if you like that, like that cutesy style and want to see your own characters or, or a character you're aware of in that style, just go look up Sprouts Not on Twitter. There's probably all kinds of information there. All right, now that we're done justifying our existence through commercialism, let's move on and talk about our hometown. All right, today for Tucson News, I want to talk about some news that's been exciting the Fangamer crew for a while now. Round 1 Tucson is scheduled to open its doors this month. (laughs) Heaven, tell me what is Round 1. Round One is a Japanese-based amusement center chain. They have arcade games. They have bowling. They have karaoke and many more. And uh, they have all the best games. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I had the pleasure of going to a Round One location in Japan when I was there. And it was paradise. <laughs> so seeing one opening in Tucson, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I also went to around one in Japan. It included, uh, there was bowling, batting cages, and baseball court. Sorry, not baseball, uh, basketball courts. 
as well as karaoke rooms and the arcade. What sort of differences should we expect between the Japanese and the American versions of round one? Uh, I actually don't know. I've never been to a round one in America. <laughs> mm-hmm, fair. So question about uh, round one's arcade. Is it like actual arcade games like from, from back in the day or are they like the ticket dispensers like a David Buster's? Uh, it's not a lot of ticket dispensers. They have a lot of like prize games like, you know, classic cranes. They call them UFO catchers mm-hmm. or UFO catchers, I should say, <laughs> using the proper Japanese pronunciation. <laughs> uh, but They have a pretty wide range of uh, video games from back in the day to today. Like, uh, I've been going there and peeking through the windows, and I saw they have Street Fighter 2, and uh, they have, like, the Luigi's Mansion arcade game. Oh, wow. And they have, of course, for my interests, several music games. I'm real into those project divas and pop and musics and all that like when i went to our uh the arcades in japan there was they were just filled with those rhythm games and everyone was so much better than my was <laughs> i was so bad at them yeah. those are hard they got all the practice because they got this great location <laughs> <laughs> yeah whenever uh whenever we, i went to around one there was actually like multiple levels like it was a really big round one uh, on one level there was like all the 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 uh the crane games and, and prize games. So, yeah, there isn't like a ticket counter from what I remember. It was all like uh, whatever you were getting was from the machine itself. Mm. So there's a bunch of things where you could just, you know, where you would pay money uh, to try to get a thing. Whether it's, you know, figurines or plush toys or getting into the photo booth where you get to make yourself look very pretty. And then on the next level, there was you had to pay to get in there at all, and then whenever you're in there, all the arcade machines are all free to play. Mm, so you yeah. get to go through, uh, go play all the actual like game games, and just you know do as much as you can because you're on a timer, so <laughs> you're you're paying by the hour or whatever. Personally, that's my favorite kind. Yeah, and that that, that was that was very fun, especially because all the stuff was actually like well maintained. I have concerns that they that a. An American version of this is going to go downhill very quick. Oh but yeah, I, I would hope not, uh, especially if you're if you're paying to get into the place in the first place. But I'm not sure what the setup is for this one. Yeah, I mean, I've been going to uh, the golf and stuff, which is right down the road from me. In anticipation, I've been playing a lot of DDR there, <laughs> and their machine is very poorly maintained. For sure. So I'm hoping to get the the round one expertise. Yeah. <laughs> they keep their machines in better condition. Yeah, show, show pride for, for their mother country. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing it, because, like, when I was a kid in, like, the, the 1980s, I remember going to Elcon, because I was, like, the big mall back then. That in the Tucson Mall and Park Place wasn't very big. They had like a just like a section cut out that was just the arcade area, and I was I was too young to really have much fun with that because I didn't have any money. So I'd like fish underneath the change machines and try to find quarters to like play something. I remember I remember playing like Willow, and it had like a timer, and then you just die if it runs out, which was like oh, that was fun. But yeah, it's cool to go back to, to Elcon and actually have arcades again. Well, it's well, at that Park is, Place. Yeah, it is at Park Place. Edit that part out, Charles. I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> So Tucson has bowling alleys and pool halls and arcades. What is round one bringing to Tucson that it doesn't already have? 
I may have already answered this question by pointing out the fact that maybe they'll be better maintained, but that's not guaranteed, so yeah, the question I'm, stands. I mean, personally, I always feel like Japanese stuff is better than American stuff. But. <laughs> ah, but here's the thing. <laughs> this one is because, just by virtue of being here in Tucson, it is definitely going to be an American version of the Japanese thing, which means it's not going to be as inherently good. I happen uh. to know that there uh, I, I I love the restaurant... Yoshinoya. I have to go there a certain number of times every time, every time I go to Japan. But I happen to know that there are some in America, and they're not good. Well, I've at least heard from Californian friends. There are a lot more round ones in California uh -huh. that uh, these are good places. All right, all right. So well, hopefully our Tucson location lives up to their standards. I, I hope so, too. I, I'm pretty actually pretty excited about it. I think that, generally speaking, malls are kind of lame. Yeah. Uh, I think they were originally conceived as a place where it's sort of like a like a community center place, like where people will be able to come by as individuals or with their friends or with their family. And it's like, yeah, it's like a community center subsidized by the, uh, by the stores that are inside of it. But I, I don't know. Now, whenever I look at a mall, it's just a bunch of like jewelry stores or expensive clothing sunglasses places. Sunglasses, hot. The cacophonous smells. And yeah. like, there's there's nothing there that makes me really want to go there. Like, there's nothing really fun. Like aside from the movie theater, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the movie theater. But there's there's it's the Roadhouse. There's better. Yeah, there's better movie theater. So why bother? Yeah, last bunch of times I've gone to the Park Place Mall is because of a store closing and having it going out of business <laughs> to help. So I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, having like a department store like Sears closing and being replaced by something actually fun like a round one will help to kind of revitalize the concept, like the older concept of the mall as a place where you can actually go there and like hang out with friends or have at least a desire to do so. Yeah. Maybe it's like just a lofty, uh, <laughs> a lofty ideal I'm trying to hold these uh, bastions of consumerism to, but you know. Hopefully, it makes it into a place where you can uh, lock a bike on the rack and it doesn't get stolen. Well, <laughs> I've had that happen at that mall. And I keep giving you more bikes. Oh, I, I have also lost several bikes to this town. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's all I've got for Tucson News. Let's talk about audience participation. So, I don't actually have any audience questions today. I spent most of last week sick, so I wasn't able to take the time to, like, ask for any audience questions or announce who my guests would be. That said, I also feel like I don't really set aside the time I need to really dig into audience questions. Like last week, especially the discussion with Reed and Michael actually ran over time so much that I didn't have time for Tucson news really, much less audience questions. I ended up having to dash out the door in order to pick up my kid from daycare in time, which is by design since having a time limit like that ensures that the episodes are always of a manageable length. That said, what's not by design is how little time I actually end up dedicating to answering audience questions. Currently, the podcast is broken up into like 40 minutes of discussion with 20 minutes or so to go through everything else in a rush at the end of the episode because I didn't manage my time well. Currently, I'm thinking about maybe combining the regular discussion and audience questions into one big segment because I already kind of do that with Metatony's question and every once in a while uh, other ones. 
it's sort of like have like a regular discussion and some of the questions I ask everybody be audience questions. So it just kind of feels more naturally like just part of the uh, part of the whole program. Uh, and then maybe like the Fangamer and Tucson news, news segments could just kind of bisect that discussion as if to say, hey, this is about the middle of the episode. <laughs> so like the episode starts and ends with our regular discussion and we never really rush through to other segments. I'm not sure. I'll try stuff out and we'll see how things like shake up by the time I start season two. Do you guys have any thoughts or suggestions for improvements to the podcast? I don't know how much y'all actually listen. <laughs> I did have an idea. What's that? Well, don't know how... The problem is doing it, it's possible, but it would just take a... It would, it would complicate it quite a bit, but if uh, we were, were to get several like still frames of like a caricature of you and a caricature of your guest and like different expressions and poses... And then just go through and just time it to where it looks like you are like, you know, asking a question or surprise or whatever. So there's like a visual aspect of it. Have like a... Like trying to like make a YouTube video out of it? Kind of like that, yeah. I mean, I've seen other people do stuff like that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a lot of work. Though. It does sound like a lot of work, but let's yeah. be clear. But <laughs> uh, like, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad idea depending on how, uh, how things go with this podcast if it grows mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't. I don't need critique. I just figured this would be a topic of discussion. I mean, I do listen to every episode. I don't know how I would improve it, though. Yeah, I'm sure it could use some improvement, but like sticking a nail in like specific ways to do so is tough. Anyway, uh, always I, I'm always seeking improvement, so uh, we'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, that's that's all I have for uh, for as far as the audience participation segment, which is fine because I'm about to have to leave. So, listeners, if you have any questions you'd like to ask, please send them to us. You can email your questions to your friends at fangamer.com, or you can tweet them to at fangamerfriends. You can also send us audio questions. Simply record yourself and email the audio file to your friends at fangamer.com. Heaven, you used to send audio stuff all the time to the old old podcast before you actually came out here and could just like be in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that spawned, I think, one of my catchphrases that has turned into a bit of a meme recently, the drink water every day. Yeah, yeah, that was like the chant, I think, last time. Yeah. So uh, whether via text or audio, you can ask us pretty much anything, listener, though depending on the question, I can't guarantee a sincere answer if it's outside of our areas of expertise. We're all experts at the subject of Fangamer, but in addition to that, I'm an expert at... Fast food options in the immediate vicinity of the Fangamer office. What are some of your areas of expertise outside of Fangamer, Heaven and Steve? Well, I'm an expert on the Vocaloid Hatsune Miku and her music. (laughs) Very good. Catching bugs and safely transporting them outside. Mm, 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 Alive. Yes. Keeping keeping the the bug population strong. Yeah, whenever there's a bug running around loose here, uh, they'll usually go get me. Like just earlier when I was in chatting with the video crew... Just a paper wasp just flying around the building. So I just got a cup, just caught it, put a paper towel over it, and I was just sitting there with the beating, holding this wasp in a cup for like 30 minutes. No big deal. <laughs> and NBD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that pretty much does it for us this week. Any final thoughts? That's it for now. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We'll miss you. Thank you very much, Heaven and Steve, for joining me this week. Listeners, if you would like to support this podcast, please consider buying something from the Fangamer store. Alternately, just share us with your friends, tweet about us, or even tweet at us. 
Thank you, Super Soul Brothers, for the music on this episode. And thank you, listener, for listening. We're your friends at Fangamer. Try to make someone smile today. And hey, let's plan on hanging out again next week. Charlie's recording now. Could we like say stuff about oh, him? Man, he's gonna learn all the secrets. Oh, man. Charles, <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Is he gonna put this in as a bonus? Mm. <laughs> Maybe. Like at the end, it's it'll fade out, and then you hear all this. Yeah. What's, what's some secret stuff we could say? Uh... Uh... <laughs> oh shoot! He's here. Uh.